Hi, you are listening to Mobile Couch, and this is a show where we talk about mobile development. This show is hosted by, I was nearly going to say Jake McMullen. This show is hosted by Ben Trangrove. Hello, I'm not Jake. And myself, Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. And this is episode number 71. Um, So there's that. That's a lot of episodes. It is. It really is. And uh, we don't really have any follow-up. Nobody really kind of, you know, sent follow-up. They sent, like, lovely tweets and stuff to say how that people enjoyed the episode. And thank you. We appreciate that. But there's no follow-up. So I'm just going to go straight on to, like, talking about uh, the topic for today. And I thought that we could talk a little bit about supporting apps. Because I feel like, uh, you know, supporting like supporting an app that you sell yourself, like that you, you create an app and you create a product and you sell that product, you know, on the App Store or whatever. Supporting that app is not dissimilar in many ways to, like, dealing with clients and supporting clients. So I thought it might be a nice, like, spin-off of, of last, the last episode. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I used to do a, a bit of support before I did client work. I worked at a product company, so I'm sure I can remember some things. So I've come up with a few uh, like a, a few points that kind of are born out of what I do to support gift wrapped and I, I don't think like I, I don't think there is any like one answer to to support support is like a, a weird thing uh, and it kind of depends the way that you approach it will kind of depend on the app itself and the type of app that it is but overall like there are some things that you can just kind of just do in order to make things a bit easier for yourself and to you know do support correctly i think uh so i'm going to kind of focus on that stuff and if anybody has any suggestions that i don't cover like please feel free to you know send us an email and and let us know yeah sounds good so Supporting an app and client work are, are, are similar in a lot of ways because cu- customers and clients are also similar in a lot of ways, right? Most of the time, your clients aren't going to understand, like, you know, developer problems that, you know, they just don't understand. Like parents. <laughs> parents just don't understand. Yeah. They don't get me, man. <laughs> do, do you not know the song, Fresh Prince? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They don't understand developer problems, right? Like, it, it's not, like, you're not going to be able to explain away an issue in the app by saying, oh, no, it's too hard to do that or, or anything like that. Like, they're, they're not going to understand that. They also notice when things are late. Like, I, I, I don't know if you've ever, like, shipped an update to an app late uh, and, your you know, your customers will definitely notice that um, if they've been, you know, if they're waiting for it, you know, a long period of time goes by and all of us, you know, by which I mean like three days um, <laughs> since the last update. Wow. No, I've never experienced that. It, I experience it all the time. You know, it's, it's abandoned where? Se- several after three days, days and it's abandoned. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's ridiculous. Or, or you know, like you, you, you've shipped an update like a, a, a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's been ages, so long since the last update. I was like, I, I literally cannot release them any faster. It's just not possible. And I think we all got to be Facebook these days. Just auto release yeah. every two weeks. Every two weeks, they don't. They don't help that. Honestly, they don't. They're not helping with that. With that thing. I mean, obviously, it's great for them because they get these. You know, it works. It works wonders. But I feel like it sets up a bit of a uh, a standard that you can't meet. Yeah, 
a lot of your customers they just they don't understand, they don't get and this is you know back to the kind of you know they don't understand developer problems they don't get that you're just one person working on an app uh you know, or a, or a small team of like maybe two or three they they just all they see is just the app and probably like company behind it oh for sure i've definitely had people that have said to like that have have initially sent in report uh, like you know support requests and that sort of stuff to you know and with the kind of with the, I, I mean, I know it sounds weird, but like with this voice, as if they're talking to like you know a, a faceless company, and then they're really surprised to hear that it's just just you know this just me, just one one person behind the whole like behind everything. I do everything. I just you know I handle my support. I write my app, and so I don't think customers get that. Like customers just see you know see the app, see the you know see a company quote company, and they want changes. Clients, yeah, clients think, always uh, want the changes. Oh yeah, totally. But I think it's like like apps are seen as such small things, right? You know, they they're free or cost next to nothing. So obviously, they must be pretty easy to make. Because who would give something away for free that's hard to make? Yeah, I mean, like we know the truth, but I think that's how it comes across sometimes. So they feel like oh, I can just ask for this feature. It probably will only take him five minutes. <laughs> the the best one actually that I've seen before is. I'm not a programmer, but this seems pretty easy to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it always happens, and it happens. It happens when you're doing client work because you'll get it from clients. But it also, and it to- but it totally happens when you have customers as well. Um, they just want they they want the app to work the way that they want it to, which you know honestly isn't that dissimilar to the you know the reason that I built Givewrapped and I build the apps that I you know that I create. You know, I want them to work in a specific way, so I none of the apps do. So I, you know, create my own or or whatever. But a lot of customers they don't have that ability, so they just, you know, they find the one that works the best for them. But then they want the extra features that just, you know, make it that much more, you know, exactly what they wanted. And, you know, there are multiple ways that you can kind of go with that sort of stuff, right? Like you could just, you know, when when it comes to like feature requests as an example like i i know of places that just refuse them you know yeah like we create the app the way that we want to create the app and if you don't want if you don't like that then you find a different app and that you know uh, that may or may not be a fair thing right i mean it's pretty much the approach apple takes it definitely is the approach apple takes absolutely except they don't just like they don't just like if you send in a radar asking for a feature request, they don't just like you know send back and say, "No, we're not doing that." I mean, they do sometimes, but they'll just you 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 just won't hear anything. For, yeah, feature requests don't even get yes. duped most of the time. They just yeah go off they into the void quietly. Yeah, and I mean, I've had one that's been in there for probably a year now, uh, and I know of people who have had them in there for much longer. So you know, there's that. And I mean, I mean, it's not a it's not a a bad way to like you know, not taking feature requests is not necessarily a bad way of of you know doing your app. You can like, and I think if you handle it correctly, it can actually be quite liberating, I guess, uh, in many ways. But uh, you know, along the same lines as the client, like uh, like we were saying with clients in the last episode. You know, saying no straight away to stuff isn't necessarily a good thing, I think, straight up. I, I like to think that if you just at least, you know, just take them on board. You don't have to say yes. You don't have to say, 
uh, you know, maybe or anything like that. My typical response is, you know, is essentially no promises. And I, I, but I do take them on board. Any, every feature request that I get goes into a list that I have. And if I get to it, I get to it. If I don't get to it, then I don't get to it. The benefit of that approach is that sometimes I will be like, I'll be sitting there trying to figure out how to do a thing, uh, how to do something that I'm already doing. And I will realize that that feature request actually kind of plays a major role. And so rather than using it as like a direct, you know, you know, I've asked this person asked for this feature. So I built them that feature. I use it as like inspiration, an inspiration board, if you will. Okay. Yeah. So where I used to work, um, the strategy they took was the same thing. They add everything to a list and they reply with, if enough people request it, we'll put it in. And they did keep count, but to be honest, we didn't really look at the list and add whatever had the highest count, which is kind of like, yeah, we kept track of them. And if it was an easy implementation, then we'd probably do it. If it was really hard or pretty much changed the app completely, there was no chance. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think that's, I think that's a, a better way to go than just kind of completely ignoring them or, you know, completely. Yeah. I think you have to reply. Way. Yeah. And especially because like with support, you're, it, it's a support is kind of a, two-sided thing right support you're not only like you're obviously providing support or you know helping users with you know problems that they they've got or replying to questions that they have or whatever but on the other hand like support is also like it's almost an advertisement for you and like i mean i've had situations with like with give wrapped which is free but has in-app purchases where person is using the app they you know have a problem or can't figure out a particular feature or whatever. Uh, they send me an email or, or whatever, and I respond, and they go, "Oh wow, thanks for helping. I'm actually going to go and buy the unit purchases because you've like you know because I want to thank you. Uh, like this is yeah. my way of thanking you. My free app, which is completely free, makes next to no money. Every now and then gets a support request, and the same thing happens to me. Like I reply." They're very thankful, and I tend to notice there's suddenly a five-star review within the next few days, or there's a new in-app purchase, or something like that. Yeah, I think it all comes down to like if you treat if you treat support correctly, and if you take you know, if you take your users kind of seriously, then like you're only helping you're you're actually helping yourself uh, by being you know by taking that that little bit of time out, I guess. So I have a few tips on like on that sort of general stuff um, for how to kind of make your support a little bit better. And then we can kind of get into some technical, more kind of technical stuff to do with, uh, uh, you know, where and how and all that sort of stuff a bit later on. So I, I guess my first tip for did, you know doing support right is to be available. And I get like, we've, we've already kind of been talking about that, but I also think it's kind of a two-sided coin, be available or don't be available. And, in that kind of way, what I mean is like you either do the support and take t- take the time out and make the time to do the support or farm it out, like find a place to do it. I, I don't know of any, honest, like off the top of my head and I haven't really had a chance to actually research research them, but find a way to, to provide the support and if that means doing it yourself, then do it yourself. If that means getting someone else to do it either hiring somebody or you know hiring a company that does support whatever uh then do that 
but the worst thing that you can do is is to just ignore support requests and let them go unanswered. I'm not necessarily amazing at keeping up to date on my support stuff because it's hard. It's hard to find time and you know, every time you write an email, which as I've said previously, you know, takes me half a day to write a, write an email response <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, because it's it takes time. Like it takes time to do to do support right, but you need to actually you actually need to provide that if you want your app to succeed then you kind of want to provide some support in some way uh and if that means you know handing the support off to somebody else and getting somebody else to deal with it for you then that's fine i think that's perfectly a perfectly valid valid thing but don't just like let it go away like don't just let it be vapor yeah totally the way i used to like to do it again at the last company i worked for I don't have much relevant experience these days, but I used to do it. So I would always start my day with support. So everyone in the company did support. Um, It's just like one of those things. And it makes everyone keep on track with how products are going and stuff like that. So yeah, I would start my day with support because I wasn't my favorite task of the day. I preferred to get it out of the way. But it's also like, otherwise it just banks up. And then you've got to spend a whole day doing support. And that that wouldn't be fun. So at that place, did you have a like? Did you you didn't have a support team? The developers did the support, did they? Or actually, we did. So this is quite a while ago. The way it worked was the support team, which was made up of at any time two to three people. Right. They would handle the bulk of the you know um, my license key doesn't work or you know those sort of everyday ones that are pretty common with support. And then mm-hmm. when a question got technical, they would generally reply with trying to find out more information. And when they replied, the customer replied again, it would generally be assigned to the developer responsible for that product. Right. So I was working on a media streamer, basically like Plex, I guess. So you have all your movies on your computer or whatever, and you want to watch them on your PlayStation, Xbox, or iPad, iPhone. And so the support emails I would get was ridiculous. You know, so I was constantly getting networking questions, basically, like, I have six routers and four subnets, and I run a, <laughs> and it was just like, I run a wow. port forwarding proxying thing for this, and it was just like, oh, I can't do this. It's just too hard. So, yeah, that was why I didn't enjoy support too much, because I was constantly battling people's networking issues. Yeah, fair enough. And it was not good. But I could totally see why it was important, right? Yeah. Even if I didn't enjoy it, not answering those emails would have been crazy. Yeah, well, because, I mean, if if they didn't get answers to those questions, they would just assume that, the, like we said before, that the product is, you know, abandoned and nobody cares about it. And it's not like, you know, and nobody, or more importantly, nobody cares about, you know, them using the product, which is kind of like a, a, a kiss of death when it comes to, like, when it comes to running your own product. Yeah. Like if they don't think that like if customers don't think that, you know, their usage matters, then they will just you know, don't they will just find something else. They will move away. They will go on to something else. Uh, which, you know, may or may not be a good thing. I don't I don't know. It depends on your situation. But what you said before about like doing it each morning is actually another part of uh, another kind of thing that I I suggest and that's Finding finding a schedule to deal with your support stuff and do it at that point. I don't necessarily get enough support requests to deal with it on a daily basis. I don't get a, I don't. I mean, I don't get a lot. I get enough, but I don't get a lot. 
mm-hmm. maybe maybe four or five a week. And so what I do is I do it on a weekly basis. I find a day uh, where I might spend you know the half of half a morning to you know to deal with that where I've you know where I've got that time and and you know that kind of comes back into what we were saying last week with you know when we were when you're figuring out like your daily rate. In the same way that you like when you you know when you are doing client work, like you're not going to work, you're not going to be developing or working on a product for like you know eight hours a day. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of stuff that you have to get done, and support is one of those things. I think so. I tend to schedule it for a specific day, and I schedule other things for that day. I typically will have a day a week where I'm not necessarily doing developery work. It might be you know depending on how kind of full my schedule is. Oh, definitely. But if you keep if you keep on top of it, you know, do it once a week or you know once a day or every every other day or something like that, then you you'll find that you'll just you'll stay on top of it and you won't have like you know masses of emails to to go through on a regular basis. So the next I the next suggestion that I have is kind of a bit airy, you know, in many ways it's kind of like a bit fluffy. I don't I don't know what the word is the the right word to describe that is. Um, and that's finding a voice. This kind of matters a lot, and people will tell you talk talk about it with like your know, marketing and stuff like that. Like you have a voice, you have like a this is how the product sounds, I guess. And you do that kind of in the app as well. When you're like writing messages, you find the voice of the app, you find you know the voice of the thing. But I like to I like to carry that out um, and carry that out into the support thing. And as a general rule, like uh, support for for Gifwrapped is relatively kind of you know uh, upbeat and and very 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 casual. I don't like I'm not talking about. I try not to mention anything that is too kind of complex or technical because I don't necessarily know. I mean, for my users especially, I don't necessarily know how technical they are. And that kind of comes down to like there are multiple ways you can do this, right? You can a very typical one is that you explain it as if you're explaining to a person that is five years old, and you know that way you're not going to you're not going to start talking about you're not going to start talking about things like uh, you know well I can't do you know I can't take that onto on board because you know NS Notification Center is the you know they're not going to understand that sort of stuff so you have to kind of break it down into smaller more understandable bits and along those lines like you know using using casual kind of you know is is kind of I mean it's kind of my thing in general really but if you kind of keep your uh, your support stuff kind of light, and you know, feel free to mention something that's you know, uh, I, every now and then I'll like make a pop culture reference. And I mean, my support stuff sounds like me. I, I think that's kind of part of the way that it works. But uh, I, I think that an important part of doing support stuff is to find that voice, because like I said before, it's kind of part of your advertising. It's part of your marketing. So. If you uh you know if you're kind of coming across as being more um, consistent, then you are going to come a- also come across as being more stable, more kind of more solid, more reliable, more you know that lots of things. I think. So I got to ask: Do you use gifs in your support replies? Do you just reply in gif form? <laughs> I can't reply necessarily just in gif form. Um, I do have a tendency to use gifs if I can. I don't tend to use GIFs in my email responses, um, which is actually kind of a bad, sad thing because, uh, and it's only because of the service that I use to actually deal with email requests. 
So I don't I don't just like all of my email requests go through a service called AppBotX, mm-hmm. which is a service by previous guest Stuart Hall, and it does t- kind of takes care of the email for me. But I don't have really have any way to kind of embed an image, which is kind of a sad down point which is makes me sad but i do like i do send gifts to support requests on on twitter and that sort of thing um definitely you know your you know your app shares links as well right just checking yeah i know it shares links but i i don't i don't uh, yeah emails you know it's nicer if they're embedded and it's so true you're right yeah, and I mean, I could technically, like, I could technically uh, use. I think I can like embed like a little bit of HTML, so I could technically like use an image tag or whatever. But it seems like so much work. And you know what lazy. you should do? You should contact AppBot support with a feature request. <laughs> you should. <laughs> oh, nice! I like it. The final kind of general thing that I think is important with doing support is to stay positive which sounds sounds really easy but is not. So a while ago you, listeners may or may not remember Gifrapt went through like had had a kind of a breaking a breaking issue. Um it shipped so 1.2 originally shipped with a bug in the library that caused people's libraries to get deleted, which is kind of massive, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a huge thing. Like a bunch of people just opened up the app and all of their gifts were gone it is hard to stay like it's a hard thing to stay positive about and it's a hard thing to kind of deal with and more so like personally like i kind of took it as a bit of like a failing like i i had i had a struggle i kind of i got a bit depressed about it like i actually went through a period and i'm not the sort of person who gets to, like who goes into depression but i kind of like that was a thing that was very real for me at that time and it was hard. Like, it's hard to stay positive in that sort of a situation. Like, y- y- you want to be, like, positive in not just, like, you know, you know, smiling and happy, but you want to kind of help them know that it's going to, like, that it's going to be like, fine and you're going to, you're doing everything you can and kind of make that, you know, a pleasant experience as much as you can. And it's really difficult when you're, you know, under the, like, you're getting a bunch of email. I was getting at least a couple of emails a day early on with that, um, with people saying, Oh my guess they're gone. And you just it kind of made me want to cry. And in that sort of a situation, it can be really hard to stay positive. And if you have stuffed up, and which, you know, hopefully you never do, but sometimes sometimes it happens. Sometimes things go wrong. And in that situation, you kind of gotta know, you gotta figure out how you're going to handle yourself. And so one of the things that I did to try and stay positive is I took I kind of took a bit of a time out. Like I, I took a little while to just sit and just kind of let myself you know, deal with the problem and kind of like let myself kind of get over the fact that I felt like I'd failed and all that sort of stuff. And then I wrote a template. So I opened up just a regular old text editor and I just started writing my generic response to everybody. And I I made sure that I took the time to make sure that that was relatively pleasant and relatively uh, kind of positive and had a bit of a positive spin to it. And then that was pretty much what I used for every support request that came in from there on. I did make alterations to it on, you know, on email to email basis. So I might add a line, might have added a line at the beginning to like, you know, respond to something specific in there. Uh, in their email or I might have like tweaked some wording or something like that per email just to make it feel a little bit more personal for them like so that I'm, they're not just getting like a stock standard you know because it's 
it's not it's not easy for them either either like they've lost you know data or whatever so i wanted to make sure that it was personal for them but at the same time i wasn't writing out i wasn't spending time like writing an email every every day where i'm just like reiterating that i failed cuz that's not ideal especially if you want to try and stay positive in that sort of a situation yeah so how did well first did you get any like really abusive you know caps lock emails cuz i've had those before doing support and I never really knew what to do with them. Like, I just felt like if any of them I should be ignoring, it should be these ones. So I, th- I don't think I ever got any angry emails in that specific, in that time period, which is probably a good thing. I did get some exasperated ones though. And I think that's a, I, I think, I think that's a slightly different, uh, you know, but no more, no less kind of crucial, uh, you know, feeling. You know, most people were kind of, were upset, like they were upset that they've lost their gifts and a lot of people were like, you know, didn't understand where they'd gone, they they didn't really get it. But because what I, the template that I wrote down, wrote out had an explanation of this is what has happened and I'm trying, like, and this is what I'm doing to try and solve the problem. And so I don't think it really, in in the end, like, I don't think it mattered, like, whether they were angry emails or exasperated emails or sad emails or happy emails. Like, they got the the tone of the of the message that I sent back because I had made a made an attempt to make it somewhat pleasant and kind of uh, on a, like a positive vibe. It kind of I think it took the edge off for a lot of those people. Like they, they went from being upset and exasperated and like, and struggling to like almost understanding, like almost being like, okay, well, thank you. You know, thanks for, you know, thanks for, you know, actually caring about my my situation. Yeah. So the couple I did get, the opinion I took was it wasn't worth my time. Yeah. So all I would do was reply with, hey, whatever. Hey, angry face. Sorry you feel this way. I have given you a refund. Thanks. And I hope to never talk to you again. <laughs> so, like, it's just not worth it. You you don't need customers like that. So just give them their money. This was Mac App Store days. Or not Mac App Store, sorry. Like Mac software, Windows software before Mac App Store days. So it's very easy to give a refund. Yeah. And you just get rid of them. It's not worth your time. So I don't... I almost feel the same way. Almost. But... I kind of take the approach with like angry emails and stuff like that. I mean, I don't respond to them straight away. Like typically, you know, like I said, I I respond to emails like once a week. And so in that kind of time span, like they might arrive on like a Sunday and I don't get to it till Friday or whatever. That kind of time frame, let's, I, I will tend to read them because they come into like, I get notified them in my email. So it's, it's right there. It's like, I, you know, I see them each morning, but I don't respond to them straight away. I, I let them sit for a while. And part of that is like I I get to like I I get time to like not like not think about it consciously, but you know it's in my mind. You know it's in the back of my mind. And sometimes I will actually find that uh, you know responding to them as if they were like no different to any other email will actually turn the situation around. Yeah, if you if you are positive and kind of and pleasant and nice to your users, I have found that for the most part, like even if they start out like being a complete stupid head like you know it's it's i think it's just like they don't understand they don't get what's going on like i've said i said before how like cust like customers think that they're dealing with a company and if you respond to them like as if they're like a real person and as as, as if you're a real person all of a sudden it's like oh, oh i'm sorry like they 
you know, they they actually suddenly suddenly it clicks for them that they're talking with real people. And I, I think that so I don't think that like I know you're not like I know that your situation wasn't like being dismissive. You were like, yeah, have a his just here's a refund, you know. But I I tend to like you know throw in like a nice you know just some nice language to try and kind of that's true lift the feeling. I will admit I used more words than what I just said, so there were probably yeah. were some nice words in there. But still, I don't. People shouldn't talk to people like that, even if they are a company. I mean, it's still a person reading it. Yeah, I know. I and I realize that. Like, I, I, you know, wouldn't it be wouldn't be lovely if we could all just get along? Like, you know, that would be nice. But um, it's the unfortunate situation that it's not like that in many cases, and so you kind of have to deal with what you've got. And I think that I, I, I kind of find a little a small bit of pleasure in being able to turn that sort of stuff around and kind of being able to turn something around from being like you know exasperated or or angry or anything like or something like that to being like a pleasant conversation. Because it kind of beads that I've won, if that makes any sense. Like I, I won. I do know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's like a game. Like you know, if you can, if you can take that and turn it into a win for you. Like, and if, and even better, if you can take that and you know, when they leave the email, they're like, "Wow, you know, this has been amazing. I'm going to buy an in-app purchase, or I'm going to give you a five-star review." Like that's a that's amazing. Like you couldn't ask for a better a better situation. And so yeah, maybe you don't want customers that are going to be like you know going to be complete stupid heads. But at the same time, like, you know, it's it's worth a try to kind of turn it in your favor. Totally. So there are a lot of places that I do my support. I mean, there's kind of, I mean, there's not a lot, but there's, you know, there's two, there's two major ones that I kind of do all my support through. One of them is Twitter. I actually do a lot of my support through Twitter. And it's partly my own fault because, you know, not only do I get like, you know, the occasional request of, you know, at gift wrapped but i actually go searching for ones that just mention gift wrapped or you mention like might you know be related to gift wrapped in a in a way so i use i use save searches quite heavily in that kind of a role so i have i have at least one with with uh with just gift wrapped as the search term and that does tend to pull up a lot of things that where people are um where people are kind of, you know, wanting help or, or, or something like that. Like they might be com- like talking about it or, or, you know, with somebody else or something. Um, but they don't necessarily realize that, you know, there's a Twitter handle right there they could just use. So I, you know, I go looking for that sort of stuff. And so I probably have, you know, more than half of my support stuff is through is through Twitter. Yeah. A lot of the um, support like systems as well will allow you to have saved searches as part of their, so they just come up like any other ticket. Which is pretty cool. That's yeah. how our old one used to work. Yeah. So I don't I don't use a particular service for this. The service that I use for my email at Bot X doesn't do doesn't really do Twitter like me being able to like, you know, handle the Twitter requests and stuff like that. So I just I really just use like my my regular Twitter client. I just have the GIF wrap Twitter set up there so I can just kind of, you know, deal with them in the same way as I would tweet on a regular basis anyway. Mm-hmm. But I do have save searches and obviously, you know, Tweetbot handles save searches and, you know, I can actually go to Twitter and they're all there as well to track those, not, those you know, non-mention mentions. But there's kind of a knack to being able to support on Twitter. And a lot of people, like a lot of companies that you'll see with, you know, that have support, you know, places on Twitter will try and like as much as possible redirect people to their, you know, their actual support setup. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't really like doing that. 
partially because it feels like you're fobbing, like they're fobbing off. Like a lot of people use Twitter because it's nice and quick and it's, you know, an easy way of like reaching out and, you know, getting in touch with this, you know, this company, this thing, this whatever. And a lot of customers don't necessarily, like it might be a complex thing, but, it, you know, a lot of customers think it's really simple. And so I like to try and, you know, keep keep on Twitter as much as I can if that's the case. And only really, the only time that I really kind of ever fob it off to like, you know, please send me an email uh, or, or whatever is if it's something where I need a lot of information from them or I need to provide them with a lot of information, usually the former. Yeah, I definitely think that's a good strategy. Just speaking from my own experience as a customer, it's kind of annoying. <laughs> You're right when they you send in a quick tweet and they just go, please contact us here. And it's like, oh man, couldn't you just give me the answer instead of giving me that link? Yeah. So I try, I try to do that as much as possible. If there is a situation, so one of the situations that I find myself in all the time is that I removed a feature from GifWrapped at one point. When GifWrapped launched, it had a tab for Twitter that would basically bring in a tweet timeline, uh, but in GIF form. So any of the GIFs that came up, that come up in your timeline, they would, you know, appear in this, you know, this tab. And so you could basically like subscribe to a, like a flowing feed of GIFs. And it was amazing. It was an amazing feature. And it was like, uh, I wish that GIFRAP still had it. Except that Twitter changed as, you know, as things that are outside of your control do. Twitter changed and all of a sudden, you know, twi- GIFs on Twitter weren't GIFs anymore. They were videos and you couldn't really, par- like they couldn't really be parsed properly or anything like that. So after getting a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, getting a bunch of support requests that were saying, this doesn't work, this feature doesn't work, why, why doesn't it work? Well, it did work, it's just that most of the GIFs in your timeline were, you know, are, are not GIFs, they're videos. People don't get that. People don't get, like, the, you know, the, the, people don't get developer problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, customers, they just don't understand. And so I removed the feature. Like, I just removed the tab and, you know, and took it out and kind of left it at that. Except now that, now you know, even now, which is a year on, like it, this was a year ago that this happened more than a year ago, I think. And I still get like, I still get regular uh, requests. Like how do I connect Twitter to my, to gift wrapped? Uh, how do I turn on the, you know, the, the tweets? How do I do this? Like, and so obviously that's like, that's a hard thing to like, you know, I have to repeat myself over and over again. And it's not, like it's not ideal. And I've got better things to do with my time. But you know, people want to you know want a good solid explanation of why is this not working. And so, one of the things that I did was I set up and I set up a, an FAQ. So I've so AppBotX gives me the ability. This is this kind of sounds like a, a an advertisement for AppBotX, but there are multiple ways that you can do FAQs. It's not the only thing. AppBotX has FAQs which you can so you can basically just type up you know you know the answer to a, a question uh, and then link to it from anywhere. And so what I tend to do with that is that you know I'll I'll use that as my kind of is what I fob off to for for that sort of stuff. So you know, a person can't you know tweets at me and says, oh you know tweets at GiveRap saying, I want to connect to my Twitter. How do I can I I can't seem to do it. You know, can you can you explain it? And I'll say sorry. I'll actually type up a tweet that says you know sorry I can't do that anymore or sorry that feature got removed. And that's literally all I will say on Twitter. And then they get they get the FAQ if they want to uh, read more about why that is. And that kind of like leads into like using templates and using kind of quick responses and stuff like that. And I think as much as possible, you should try to not repeat yourself. We've said before that you should like automate all the things and it's amazing. 
if you find yourself typing up things kind of over and over and over again, then the best thing that you can do for yourself and your own time and you know, and everybody really is to type it up once and use it over and over again. And so, you know, the FAQ is a great way of doing that in this particular case and some other cases as well, obviously, because they get a personal response on Twitter where they get like maybe five or six words that explain that it's not there anymore. And then I don't have to write up a, a complete reason every single time and I don't have to spend like five tweets doing so, but they, they get the personal response, but also the complete story. And most of the time people kind of like, I don't hear from them again. On the occasion, I will get a response saying, oh, that's that's too bad or, or something like that. And I've definitely had a few conversations on Twitter with people after after like that one of those tweets. But as a general rule, I feel like, you know, using templates and using things like text expander for, you know, sending emails and stuff like that, if you kind of make use of those while also being a little bit personal, it kind of finds that right balance between you not having to spend as much time writing things and customers getting a, like a full response. Yeah, no, totally makes sense. I like it. You know, actually what I don't like though, I don't like the companies that make you, instead of just being able to email support, they make you search for your problem first. And then if you can't find it, you got to like look really carefully for the link that says just actually contact support. Yeah, that's not great. I don't do that. No, (laughs) I know you don't. It feels like the company is doing it just for them, right? Because they're trying to reduce support load, but it doesn't really benefit, at least I don't think, it doesn't really benefit the customer per se, unless really it is a frequently asked question and it comes straight up. But in my experience, it almost never happens. Your problem's not there. Well, the other thing about it, about it is, right, I, I could theoretically respond to every tweet that comes in asking about Twitter with a like a tweet that says, please check our FAQs. And literally everybody gets that, right? No, that would be bad too. No, no, well, well that's what I'm saying. I could do that. That is a possibility. Like I could just point people at the FAQs section of the website and like just, you know, let them go at it. That is a, that is a possibility. It's quite a, quite a big possibility. But in the in the end, it's actually not that difficult for me to like link to the specific FAQ answer, and so I can quite easily type out like five words that say "Sorry, I don't have this feature anymore," and then uh, use Text Expander or like OS X's you know text replacement stuff to just like drop in the FAQ link. I don't have a lot of FAQs. There's probably about seven of them, and that may not work for every situation. But you know, there's probably going to be like four or five specific ones that you always get, like they, they come in over and over again. And so if you have those set up as just like, you know, text expander FAQ dash Twitter, and then it fills in the link for you, like it takes you like 30 seconds to write that tweet. And you've done yourself a kind of a favor because you're getting that, they get a personal response that is not like, you know, they actually get something that is sounds like somebody is talking to them, but they also get the full explanation, which I think is, I, I think is where that balance comes in. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I think that like treating support as if like it's trying to fob it off as much as possible is is kind of goes back to what we were saying before. Like if you don't if you don't really want to do support, then don't do support. Get somebody else to do it. And I mean, it's hard. For, like obviously, big companies already have somebody else doing it a lot of the time, and they just want to reduce the amount of you know support requests. But it it's when you fob it off, it looks like you're fobbing it off. Mm-hmm. And if it looks like you're fobbing it off, customers will feel like they're being dismissed or sent away. You know, go away and look for it elsewhere. I am too busy to help you, which is not what you want. 
which is not what you want your support to be like. Because if you provide good support, then people will like you for your good support. But they're not going to like you for your bad support. And they're certainly not, they're not going to like bad support. It's just not, it's not something that they, it's just not, it's not good for the customer. And if what's not good for the customer, I guess, is probably not good for you. Mm-hmm. That's definitely the truth. Yeah. So, so then, you know, if, if I can't handle stuff on Twitter, then I, I will occasionally get people to email me. And I mean, obviously some people actually do email me. There, there is, there is actually a, a, a form within the app. There is a feedback, uh, you know, thing in the app. Which sends an email, so again, that's through AppBot, which uh, you know, and it also has the benefit of providing me with some Go system information, what OS they're running, just you know, a few inf- bit of information to kind of let me get a a grasp on you know what's you know what their system kind of looks like, so I can kind of support you know provide them with proper support because that's information that they're not going to give you, right? If they send you an email thinking that you know uh, I can't I can't add this GIF it won't save to my library why isn't it not saving and you get an inf- you get a little thing that says that their you know storage is now 100% full like there's a really obvious answer there mm. but they don't know that unless it's showing the app somewhere um, so you know that gives me the opportunity to just kind of respond back with the information straight away rather than asking them more questions gets it over and done with quicker. But as a general rule, I do make use of templates with with sending responses to emails if if it kind of requires it a lot i I do try a lot as much as I can to provide kind of more personal responses because you know I, I feel like you can see it when a, when a template is getting used. Oh totally normally what it is I find is companies seem to start with a really quick personal response and then they paste the template like that's what I always see yeah. There are situations where I've probably done that, like I, like the situation that I was talking about before, where you know I had to I had to use a template to deal with the you know the breaking issue in GIF wrapped one point two. There, there are situations where that is the case, but overall, uh, for most of my responses, I try to be personal. I try to you know, I try to email as if I was actually emailing somebody that I you know cared cared about. That sounds really bad. But I mean, it's this—it's the sort of thing where, like, I try and spend a little bit of time, at least, with with the email. And I mean, that's you know, I I think there's a kind of a personal preference there, and it's only because that I don't like getting you know form responses, that I don't like sending form responses, mm-hmm. and not not everybody is kind of uh, is you know able like is able to actually you know to do that, and that's you know that's fine. But uh, overall, like, I try to keep my emails personal, and the fact that I write them every single time as well means that i tend to keep them more succinct i find yeah using a template if i write it once then i'm going to write this long-winded explanation of the thing and whatever 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 whereas like if i'm writing an email from scratch i will tend to like explain it in like two sentences and i'm done because i just want to because i want to get it over uh, over with so you know there's that is that i think that's a benefit really overall nice so i think the last thing before we finish up is to talk a little bit about like getting ahead of support because obviously there's support like you're dealing with customers and and that sort of stuff. It's the sort of thing where you can't really like you can't really predict what's going to happen. You just kind of have to you have to like deal with support requests as they come. You can't really get ahead of that. It's like inbox zero. Like you you, you might be able to get to inbox zero, but you're never there for very long, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a I feel like there's a few ways that you can kind of get ahead of that. One of the ways that, and it kind of comes down to like, you know, the the thing that I we say over and over again, I've said several times this episode already, uh, automate all the things. 
uh, it kind of comes down to that. Like you want to be able to automate as much things as you, as many things as you possibly can and take them off your shoulders so that you don't have to do support uh, by you know, providing other places to get information or you know, help or explanations. So the obvious, the first and the most obvious version of that is in the app itself, right? And I mean, it kind of comes down to like, you know, doing the whole properly designing the architecture of your app so that, you know, not the, not the, the you know, the code architecture, but the actual, like the way the, the app works to make it kind of obvious. And I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a kind of a gimme with, with apps and is harder than it sounds, obviously. But you can also do things like, for instance, providing FAQs in the app. Like if you provide explanations of how to do things uh, within the app itself, they don't actually have to leave the app in order to find that stuff. And there are ways that you can do that. You can, um, you know, I've, 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 I, the service that I use app again, AppBotX provides a way of doing that, but I've also written my own previously. And so, uh, you know, it's as simple as like, you know, basically downloading a file and, you know, showing, you know, showing a structure of how to browse that sort of stuff. It's not difficult. It's not terribly difficult, especially considering the stuff that you're already doing in your app. Uh, and if it means that somebody doesn't have to leave your app in order to be able to find out how to do something that they don't necessarily strictly understand, I think that's a benefit overall. Yeah, I really like in-app FAQs, especially ones that will link you to the right place in the app. I've seen that before. It's yeah. pretty nice. Yeah, it it always feels nice when you can just get the information right there and you don't have to go anywhere. Overall, like, I mean, think about it, right? Like, as a person, I I hate making phone calls, and I hate even even more so. Like, I hate going out somewhere to in order to do something. Like, if I can order a like if I can order from the Apple Store rather than going into the Apple Store, like I'm gonna do that. I might have to wait a little bit longer, but it means I don't have to like you know go out of my way to do something. I can just you know I, I need this thing, I'll just order it. Mm-hmm. And with phone calls, it's, it's kind of the same thing, right? Like I don't phone people like phone people call people i don't you know ring people i i send them messages and part of that is because like it's a lot more effort to kind of like you know, talk to people like you know i could just type out a thing and if they respond straight away then that's you know then like or if that when they respond like i i've saved myself some effort like it's all about like i want to save myself effort and so if the customer if your customer has to leave the app uh even if it just means like leaving the app to go to twitter to ask a question on twitter you know that's kind of great but what if you could better about that and i think faqs in app and other ways of doing that sort of stuff in app as well are a benefit and just to be clear i don't i've had people suggest that like if something is like one of the one of the things that i tend to uh have to explain a lot is uh well not a lot you know occasionally um people people one of the features that gift has is a uh if you go to the search tab and you drop a url into the search field it will actually like open that URL and pull all the gifts that it can find that are on that, really? on that page. Yes. I didn't know that. I got to do that. <laughs> so that, I mean, obviously that's like a kind of a cool feature and it's actually something that people ask for a lot. So hidden. Is like, I want to be able to get those, that, that stuff. But how, the, the question is, right? How do you make that less hidden? How do I design the app to make that less hidden? I, I don't, t- I don't personally know the answer. Like I don't have a way obviously that's like you know providing a way of pasting in a url is kind of a, a gimme but even then like what if they open your app and they never have a url in the in their clipboard mm-hmm. you know they're never going to find that and so i have a tendency to like you know get a lot of i get a lot of requests for the, a feature like this so i, I want to be able to open up a url and you know get all the gifts from it i get a lot of i get a lot of requests like that 
but obviously that's hard, really hard to thing to kind of you know you know, advertise and a lot of people suggest i've had people suggest that like well if it's something you know if it's a really re- often requested feature and people aren't finding it then maybe you need to have an onboarding experience and i don't like onboarding experiences mostly because i don't like them myself so a lot of the things a lot of the things that i do in support uh things like i do them the way that i do because that is how i want to be treated uh when i get like when i have support like when i have support queries like i want to be treated that way i want to be treated like i'm a person or whatever and you know that might not work for everybody that works for me that's fine onboarding experiences i don't like onboarding experiences because a lot of the time i don't pay attention to them i just want to use the app yeah it's like the old next 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 (laughs) yep i tap 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 through them and i never read i never read anything and then i'm like stuck with like oh Actually, I probably should have paid attention because now I don't know how to use things. I feel like that if you're using an onboarding experience, it's it's not ideal. I think FAQs, like in-app FAQs, are better than an onboarding experience, honestly, because they're the sort of thing that you can go to when you want the information, not like, here's all the information, now I dare you to remember it. Yeah, fair enough. And I forget things all the time. I'm a very forgetful person. <laughs> you know, I forget. I forgot to have have a meal today so there's that so you know trying to get me to remember things after like showing them to me once not ideal not ideal at all i I won't remember them and so i don't i don't like onboarding experiences because i don't think i would remember stuff and i don't necessarily think that you know uh, all of the features that i care about that you know i've put in the onboarding experience for gift wrapped your people aren't going to remember those either and uh, you know so i i think I'd rather handle a few support requests than deal with that. And if I can get away with FAQs, that's what I'll do instead. Another kind of obvious one, very obvious, is to have, like, if you have a an app that requires, like, a service, like a, a server-side start thing or, or, or whatever um, that might go down or, or, you know, have problems, is to provide a way to actually tell people about those problems. Mm-hmm. So obviously there are, you know, there are people, a lot of, a lot of large companies have, like, a status page as an example, Apple's is always green, uh, even when things are broken. But a lot of companies do it. So I know that, uh, for instance, Twitter has one. I think Twitter has one still. I'm constantly on the Bitbucket one. Yeah. Tumblr Tumblr also has one. Uh, I think Twitter used Tumblr for a while as their status thing. So, that was, so maybe that was, maybe they still do. I don't know. And that's, and that's like, that's fine. Like if, that, if that's what you want to do, then do that. I, I, I mean, I... You can probably get away with just like you know announcing stuff on Twitter. Um, so if you know if you're going to take down the 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 server for maintenance or you know for upgrades or anything like that, then you just you, you just tweet about it. If you want to go, kind of go a step further, maybe showing something in app that suggests that explains why they can't do whatever it is that requires the server, you know, and actually explaining that you know it'll be back soon um, might be might be a good thing as well. It's not something that I have to deal with a lot with GIFRAP because GIFRAP doesn't really have a server-based st- thing that I deal with. But it's a it's a it's a gimme. It's like a it's an obvious thing that you kind of need to do because if you if you don't if you don't like tell people that things are down, then you are going to get support requests because people are going to like log on the instant that you take that thing down, yeah, uh, or the instant that it's broken and they won't be able to use it. So the, kind of the last kind of point that I have that I have for, for this sort of stuff. It's not something that I do because because it's a little bit kind of techy and I'm not I'm a little bit concerned that you 
It's not the sort of thing that I think you can do for every situation. But at NSConf earlier in the year, was it early in the year? Mm-hmm, it feels it like was. it's so long ago now. At NSConf, there was a a, a talk, uh, and you can get the video. We'll put it in the show notes. And there was a talk by uh, Hallie, Hallie Winkler called Duct Taping the Gates of Chaos Shut. And she talked a lot about automation stuff, which is, I guess, why why we like it. Um, and we've definitely mentioned this particular yeah. talk before. I've mentioned it many times. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things that she talks about is doing support, and so it's kind of a, a, a very um, a very appropriate video for you to go to watch if you want to if you want to kind of look into this sort of stuff a bit more. And one of the things that she does is she has a, she has a forum. For her situation, she provides, I guess, libraries as opposed to actual like apps, and so it kind of like it kind of works, I think, because a lot of her a lot of her users are developers. Yeah, and so a, a forum like a lot of people can provide information and all that sort of stuff. Like it's a, it's it is a it's an excellent idea, but I think it's the sort of thing where you have to be a little bit careful. Uh, before, like, don't just rush into like, oh my god, forum is gonna like, you know, change my life. It's probably not. You might actually be making it, things worse for yourself because forums kind of come with their own baggage of having to like moderate them and having to make sure that everybody is like, you know, being nice to each other and not being mm. jerks, jerks, <sighs> stupid heads. I definitely think they only work for technical products yeah like where your customers are technical we used to have a forum um and we shut it down it wasn't working there you go so it's the sort of thing where yeah like it it might work for you but it might not and i think it's got to be like it's it's got to be the sort of thing where uh you you approach it carefully i i think that's that's kind of a constant within within support stuff approach things carefully because Anything that you do, whether it be using templates and stuff like that, like, or using text expander or, uh, you know, whatever, like, it's you talking to customers. It's not you talking to, you know, other developers or people who understand. Customers don't understand. They don't get how hard it is. They don't get what's going on in the app development community. They don't, like, they don't understand. They don't know who you are. They don't know anything about you most of the time and i think in that way like you've got to be careful like you've got to be as careful about like how you handle your support and what tools you make use of to handle your support as as if you were handling somebody else's support like if you were you know you got to approach it in a kind of a professional way i guess is the really the best way to put it and try and be professional like even if they're not like even if the customer isn't being professional it's kind of your job to be professional and I guess that kind of comes back from like before I worked in development, I I did uh, I worked for a couple of years at at a phone store, um, you know, selling phones, and mm-hmm. that sounds that sounds like an amazing job. No, it doesn't. Retail is the worst. Actually, phone retail is is like worse than regular retail. Oh yeah, I did the same thing. Because you have customers and they're crazy angry when things go wrong. You sold me this phone and it doesn't do what I wanted it to do. I wanted this specific thing and it doesn't do it. It doesn't make my coffee. (laughs) Why doesn't it make my coffee for me? (sighs) Phones don't make coffee. And don't put your phone into your coffee and use it as like a stirring stick or something. Like that is even worse. Why would you do that? (laughs) 
but people like they're angry at you, right? And the thing about that, like that's that, again, that's a, that's a situation where you've got to support a customer. And the worst thing is, is that they're not your customer; they're they're a customer of the company that you're working for. And they're also always wrong. They're always wrong. The customer is always wrong. <laughs> yeah, the customer is always wrong. The, the the thing is, right? It's just that they don't understand. They don't get it. They don't they don't understand. And maybe you've made a mistake, and that's that. Like you know that 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 is actually okay too. Like that you've you've made a mistake. But at the end of the day, like you have to be you know you have to be professional. You're the one that's got to be professional because you're you're representing you're representing something. You're representing a company. You're representing an entity. Even if it is just like you, one developer working on an app that you sell because it's something that you love, it's the sort of thing that you have to, you have to be professional because not everybody's going to be professional to you, and that sucks. But I think, like I said before, like you know, I don't like to turn people away and just kind of you know ditch people because they've you know written everything in all caps and are very very angry with me. I like I like the game of trying to turn it around. Yeah, I think it provides like. A nice, like, uh, it provides you with a lot of things, you know, insight into your customers and understanding of their situation and understanding of where the app might need to go next and all that sort of stuff. And I, I think it's, I think it's worth, you know, taking, you know, taking a moment, being professional. If that means that you have to take a step back before you, you know, do anything, then and you know, be careful about what you're doing, then, then I think you know, do that, and and I think that the whole experience will be better for it. Agreed. <sighs> I've I feel like I've just like given a monologue like Shakespearean style <laughs> to be or not to be that is the question got a weight off your chest yes I hope I hope that it's actually helpful to people and I'm sure that uh, like I, and like I said before like if you have suggestions and like services that you use or I uh, or, or, or si- stories that you have about you know things that have you know things that have happened while while doing support or you know you don't agree with me you think that you know jerks and stupid heads should be just ignored then you should email us and uh, we'd we'd love to hear we'd ha- love to hear what you think and we will support we will we will read those like we do with our support stuff uh, and maybe maybe come back to this topic another day unless you just use caps then I'm going to ignore it yeah <laughs> yeah good. Okay, well, I'll read them. I'll read them and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but Ben will ignore you. <laughs> but if you want to send one of, one of those emails, then you can do so by jumping on the website. The website is mobilecouch.co forward slash contact, uh, or you can email us through an email email. The email address is hello at mobilecouch.co. Now, if you would like to... Uh, Check out any of the links that I we mentioned, the video, uh, any of the other stuff that we've mentioned. I don't even know. Then uh, you can do so. You can jump on our website. That's again mobilecouch.co forward slash seventy one for the episode, and that has all the show notes. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with us individually and talk to us, then that's cool too. We support you through Twitter. Ben is Ben Trengrove. That's B E N T R E N G R O V E, and I am. Jelly Bean Soup. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It has been, once again, a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you also to our patrons uh, who support the show. You know, they pay, they make, you know, pay a little bit of money every month to help, you know, make sure that the show goes out and, you know, that, you know, the server stays up and all that sort of stuff. We look forward to talking to you again in two more weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Bye.